problem was they had a lot of truth. How much? Show me. They had a lot of truth, but not all the truth. They only had bits and pieces. Their puzzle was a few pieces shy of completion. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. My intentions are to complete uh, the back half of a teaching that we began last week. It's found in Acts chapter 15. In fact, it's titled Acts chapter 15. Uh, entry number one of a four-part series. Before we jump into that, let me wish you all a happy Mother's Day weekend. If your mother's still living, I want to encourage you to give her a call and just love on her a little bit. Let her know how much you mean to her. Uh, if your mom is gone and is in heaven, like my own, then uh, it's kind of a bitter day, bittersweet day, I should say. Uh, we, don't, uh, we do not... Uh, uh, regret one bit where moms are but it still stings just a little bit i understand that and i'm with those of you that are in that boat well let me jump on back over to acts chapter 15 i want to read uh, one verse in your hearing it's kind of a peripheral verse we'll be dealing with toward the back half of this particular part it's found in proverbs chapter 30 proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 12 and the old King James Version puts it this way. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. They are pure in their own eyes but not washed from their own filthiness. Wow, what a powerful verse. I trust we'd be challenged by this. Now, I want to warn you ahead of time, we really get down to the nitty-gritty in this particular teaching. So uh, you just strap your boots on good and tight and stick with me as we share these biblical truths with you. Father God, I thank you so much for each one that's turned us on by whatever means, uh, whether they're listening live or sometime later by recording. I pray in Jesus' name that your word would just cut through all of that and speak to draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself Lord, save them from their sins, fill them with your spirit, and fill them full of your purpose and plan for their life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Well, somebody forgot to tell Paul and Barnabas. The guys that wrote the book on what a pastor looks like. Sharp dispute. I'll tell you why in a moment. First, I want you to note that Paul and Barnabas were paying attention. Let me go slow. That went right over some of your heads. Some visitors come in. They're teaching 
something that isn't right. Paul and Barnabas were paying attention. Are you with me? What about you? What if somebody would come in here and begin to talk and say, Thus saith the Lord, the Bible says, Every tub must sit on its own bottom. Would you know where to find that verse in the Word of God? This is good preaching up in here, y'all. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. Let me go into the Greek a little bit about dispute and debate. I don't want to leave this. The kind of common words for it is commotion and discussion. Dispute and debate. Commotion and discussion. The original word for commotion is stasis. It's a strong word. Often translated as an insurrection. You understand? It, it has to do with strife and dissension. It's not... It's not a real good thing going on there. It's tense. The second word for discussion or debate is zetasis. Kind of a similar, but it, what it means, it all boils down to a controversial question or a meaningless question. Have you ever been witnessing to someone and perhaps you get down to, you know, we're all sinners. We come into this world as a sinner. And if we don't find Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we're going to spend eternity separated from God. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? And then you get some question like, isn't this a beautiful day? Yeah, but I was talking to you about hell. <laughs> you, you, so, you ever had anybody talk to you about meaningless questions? Something really has nothing to do with the situation at the time. We call that what, church? A diversion. Somebody said it. A diversion. That's what's going on. The visitors show up. They start teaching. The uh, authority figures given there in the church realize what was going on, and they confront this. And let me tell you right now, when visitors come in with some off-the-wall teaching, they will not play fair. Oh, they'll scream. They'll holler. They'll foam at the mouth. They'll almost make you look like a fool. I'm trying to help somebody. Does this sound familiar to you at all? Let me say this to you also, folks. Trouble often starts quietly. It starts quietly, but it ends with a bang, a bang. Let me give you a little parentheses. Stick with me, I'll be back. I have notes to keep me on track. I want to put this out there. It is popular, I say popular, for our culture to wholesale denigrate the church. Am I right? It is a frequent flyer on social media sites. Hmm? Number five on on your study notes, so let's fill this in with me. Not everyone that hangs out with the church or visits 
the church, for church worship celebration is truly connected to the church. Beloved, that has been true from the very Genesis up to today. And as a case in point, note the story in the book of Acts. It's reflecting a lot of what I'm telling you. The greatest virtue of the church, one of the greatest virtues of the church, at the same time presents one of our greatest liabilities. What is it, Pastor Terry? Simply this. You help me out, New Life. We have an open door policy. Amen? We have an open door policy. Whoever is welcome to come and dine. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Whosoever will may come. One of the dangers of this is sometimes persons gather with or come upon the church that have impure motives and self-serving agendas. Now watch this. They may look just like us. Got their hair cut and a Christian haircut. Got on their Christian outfit. They look just like us. They may talk just like us. They know where to put the these and they know where to put the thous. Talk just like us. They know what VBS stands for. They look, they talk just like us but they ain't us. They ain't us. You realize this is, this is way too sensitive. And I want you to know that I know that even before I say it. There have been people just over the last few months, people have waltzed into churches and I'm telling you what I know. You know this. I'm telling our live stream television audience. You can walk in here, never met you before, and we will welcome you. We will hug you. We will shake your hands. If you want something to eat, we'll get you something to eat. Amen? Amen. That's what we do because we're the church. There have been people that have waltzed into church prayer meetings. A group of people, the most welcoming place on earth. And that, those individuals have whipped out a gun and ruthlessly murdered the embracers. That's happened. It happens more than you know because if it isn't a politically expedient murder, you won't even hear about it. Here's the... Parenthetical parentheses in addition to. Also, I'm going to make a point out of a, this little rant. It's unfortunate that a lot of immature believers end up doing goofy things. It's unfortunate. Let me let those bikes get by so all my bikers will come back. I know what you're the oh, old man. I can just feel that wind now. They ought to be in church, bless God. <laughs> it's unfortunate that a lot of immature believers end up go doing goofy things. This is for all the unchurched out there. And for those of you that are churched, you can, you can help with this. This is for all the unchurched. I want them to get this. All human beings do goofy things all of them goofy is our natural default 
You do something goofy, it's pretty natural. So I'm just trying to, to suggest to the unchurched, please do not consider that the church has cornered the market on goofification. Deeply theological word. Think of your own families. And those of you out there listening by way of live stream, think about your families. How many of you have that goofy uncle? Can I get an amen? Or cousin? Am I right? Goofy. Think about your work associates. Do any of you work with a real dingbat? I trust. Well, I'm not going to say what I trust. You school children here this morning. Do any of you go to school with some real goofballs? Yeah. Hey, it's true. We're messed up. We are jacked up people. We are. I, just to kind of put a, point, a period on this, what in the world could be more goofy than Adam? I'm talking about God's Adam in the garden. What could be more goofy than Adam trading paradise for an apple? Messed up. Obvious, obviously a move that, that left him holding the core, if you please. Now, one of the goofiest things is persons presenting that they are very spiritual. The buzzword is usually religious. And presenting themselves as being very gifted teachers. When the fact of the matter is they are simply pushing a false teaching. Did that make sense to you? You understand what I'm saying? Or worse yet, uh, those who are pushing an ignorant teaching, truly thinking they are right, but they're not, and they're pushing that. Now listen, I just want to be very clear. A false teaching is something other than the gospel of Christ as entrusted to Paul and the apostles. That's the truth. Well, look, I told you all of that to tell you this, all of that about goofy people and about those sorts of things. Listen, beloved, that's exactly what was going on here in Acts chapter 15. That's kind of the end of that little parenthesis. Look again in verse 1, kind of the middle to the latter part of the verse. Unless you are circumcised, they said, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, church, I ask you, where did they get this? Where did they get this teaching? Probably a, a, a gooder question, a better question, and this is number six on your study notes. Who is making this bold statement? Here's the answer to it. It's a very elite group of Hebrew descent that really believed, watch, they really believed they were promoting God's agenda. They did. Get this. They did not see themselves as false teachers. Now, I could go off on a big tangent right here. I'll try to be as brief as I can. Beloved, in our culture today, we, we uh, see all the time or we hear it all the time about a mother's right to destroy her baby in the womb. And there's a lot of people that think that's right. 
and they convince a lot of young girls to do that, and it's dead wrong. Dead wrong. There are a lot of little boys being taught today that they are little girls, and little girls being taught that they are little boys, and ever who is teaching them apparently thinks is right, and those children, God help them, are growing up thinking that's right, and it's dead wrong. Dead wrong. They think they're right, but they're not. That's what was going on with these Pharisees. They weren't necessarily trying to be a jerk. The problem was, Pastor, I was hoping you'd get around to that sometime before lunch. The problem was they had a lot of truth. How much? Show me. They had a lot of truth but not all the truth. They only had bits and pieces. Their puzzle was a few pieces shy of completion, if you know what I mean. You with me? The problem was, had a lot of truth, but not all the truth. Let me give you a, a story, and we'll start. Oh, I'm, I'm wrapping it up with this. You may have heard this story. There were three persons, two men and a woman from southwest Virginia, oddly enough, who had never laid eyes on an elephant. And they were asked to describe an elephant. As the story goes, an elephant was finally placed before them. So this should be easy, right? Oh, I forgot to tell you, they were blindfolded. Did I tell you that part? They were blindfolded. So the first guys led up to this strange creature, makes his way up, and he, he feels around, and he gets a hold of a leg. And he's, oh, yeah. I said, man, this... This feels like a tree trunk, a tree. So he stepped away and he says, it, it must be that the elephant is like a tree, like the mighty oak. And he was convinced. You with me? So they led the second guy up, led him up, and, and he, they placed him right there at the elephant right on the side. And he began to feel this massive beast. And he says, oh, he said, I, this is easy. The elephant is like a wall. This is like a, a big stone wall. That's what the elephant is like, a big stone wall. And he was convinced based on his information. And they finally lead this lady up. She's blindfolded, and they let her up. And somewhere or another, she ends up up at the front of the elephant. And what's on the front, church? The trunk. She felt, she felt the trunk. And she, She's a little, little skeptical, but she's like, wow, this, this feels like a, a really giant, tough, muscular snake. Eek! The elephant must be a type of snake. And she got out of there. She was convinced. I would have got out of there too. Say amen right there, brothers and sisters. Now listen. Who was right? Was it a tree? Was it a wall? Was it a snake? Who was right? In some respects, 
they were all right. And if we would compare that to modern day religion, you would never convince them otherwise than their opinion about their experience. Does that make sense? Yet they were so far from being completely right because they had made this determination with blinders on and they couldn't see, didn't see, for whatever reason, didn't see the whole picture. Proverbs talks about this in chapter 12 and verse 15. Listen to the New Living Translation. Fools think their own way is right. Who thinks that? A fool. But the wise listen to others. And listen, if you get enough fools together, I almost said like the voting pool in America for our last election, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't say that. But if you get enough fools together, here's what it can lead to. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. The old King James says it this way. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. But they are convinced that they're okay. Fill in number seven with me. Beloved, people have a natural inclination to claim absolute truth based on their subjective, their personal, sadly, their limited experience. Isn't that true? You see, the Pharisees of Acts chapter 12, Acts, yes, or Acts chapter 15, these Pharisees knew what they knew, but they didn't know what they didn't know. And it's very interesting to me how those with only a piece of truth seem to emerge as some of the most passionate about that piece. They, these are these itchy-eared that Paul talked about in his second letter to Timothy. They will follow their own desires, or they, will, they, they follow their own desires and look for teachers who will teach them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They're saying, talk to me about my peace. If you aren't going to talk to me about my peace, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, what do you do with folks like this? Now, I've already told you, some of us have people like that in our families. Am I right? We have to work with people like that. We have classmates like that. We have people in the community like that. There are people who often make their way into places of worship like that. What do you do with folks like this? Do you just let them go? You just let that go? So that they are deeper and deeper into believing something that is not right? Do you let that go unchallenged? Do you just sit around with this smug attitude of, I'm not going to get involved? Do nothing? Somebody remind me again, what happens when good people do nothing? Do you know what happens to churches a lot of times when good people choose to do nothing? I'm not talking about starting World War III and some kind of a church split. I'm not talking about that at all. But when good 
people. I'm talking about spirit-filled, spirit-led people. When they choose to do nothing, what happens is they watch their church fellowship dwindle away to untruth and unfounded garbage. And there's a market for it out there. It will grow. Are you with me? Do you just let it go or get together for a truth conference and look to God for a plan? I love the latter part of verse 2 in Acts. says, finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas. Finally. They said, we've got to do something about this. The church needs guardians of truth. Never is that truer than today, listen to me, new life, never is that truer than when God honors us with his presence and begins to stir a revival. Beloved, let's wrap it up tonight uh, this way. I want to reiterate to you this. What do we do with those? When I say we, I'm talking about the members of the forever family of God, the church, the called out ones. What do we do when we see persons going off uh, in the wrong way, headed away from God as opposed to to God, and in particular those who claim to have the truth? I like those we read about in Romans chapter 1. Those who claim to have the truth, but they don't. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What do we do? Do we just sit back and let it go and think, oh, well, they'll get theirs. It's coming. No need to rock the boat. Well, here in the Bible, there was a truth conference called when the truth was uh, challenged and when the false teachers come in, that's exactly what needs to happen today. We do need to hold persons accountable. That's the reason I'm here with New Life Telecast is to put before the community the Word of God, what the Bible says in a clear, balanced way, not some tangent here and there, but in a clear way, a balanced way to help people know and understand what God expects of those that He washes with His blood and fills with His Spirit and is preparing an eternal home for them. It's not complicated. It really is not. And it's all outlined right here in the Bible. I want to be an encouragement to you. If you do not read and study the Bible, then begin that habit. You don't have to absorb it all at one time. Just read a little bit. Ponder that. Read a little bit. Ponder that. And let Holy Spirit of God speak to you by God's Word. That is my prayer for you. Father, I pray for each one listening in right now by whatever means. And I pray in Jesus' name, that by your word you have and that you will continue to speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray for those that are straying away. I pray for those who are challenging the truth that some truth bearers would come forth and hold them accountable lovingly, kindly, compassionately, but hold them accountable. We pray, we ask in the matchless name of Jesus, amen and amen. I do want to remind you before we get out of here that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Note that oddball starting time. We meet pretty early on Sunday morning. There's an extended time of praise and worship, and the Lord's really moving, and we are just so excited about what's happening here among our church fellowship. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night. Watch this, something for the little children, 
something for the teens, and yes, something for those of us that are not so young anymore, and all those in between, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor of New Life Community Church. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?